in Acts chapter 8. And our text tonight is verse 29 down to verse 35. I'm going to read those verses. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? But his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself? Or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The first thing that I want you to notice in this text tonight is the first word. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip. Our text is beginning with the Spirit of God. Who is the Spirit? Well, it's clear that this Spirit is a divine person. That he is a living being. He leads, he guides, he communicates. Even as it says here, the Spirit said unto Philip. This divine person called the Spirit, he knows the situation. He knows about the eunuch. He knows about Philip. He leads Philip, he guides Philip. He brings Philip into the midst of this whole situation. It's the living Spirit who's overseeing and overruling. The whole encounter, whatever is going on, it is the Holy Spirit that is doing it and overseeing it. And this Spirit who commands, who is to be obeyed, and who Philip in actual fact does obey because he does go near and join himself to the chariot, even as the Spirit commanded him, this Spirit is Almighty God. He is a divine person. He is sovereign, overseeing all this event that's taking place. He's in charge of this whole business, leading and guiding his servant to the poor and needy sinner. He's a sovereign spirit. He's a powerful spirit. And he is working here. And I have to emphasize that at the start. This conversion would not take place. There would be no change in this eunuch. There would be no baptism of him who is a believer. If it was not for the spirit of the living God. So the Holy Spirit is very much present. You will know that this is not a new reference to the Spirit. It's not the first reference. You remember at the start of the Acts of the Apostles, what, what is it all about? 
is about the Savior promising the Spirit. He'll send the Spirit, the Spirit will come, and He'll begin to do a mighty work in the earth. And we see that at Pentecost the Spirit comes down. This mighty person, He comes down as promised by Christ. And tonight, in Acts chapter 8, we're seeing Him in action. If Philip is active, it's because the Spirit is active in him. And so the Spirit is the man behind the evangelist. And we need to know that and we need to remember that. And we have to also consider that the Spirit in this portion of the Scripture is the same Spirit today. He's still with us. He's still in the church. He's still leading and guiding. He's still sovereign over all things. And he's still leading his people to the conversion of sinners. And there'll be no conversions without him, without his presence, without his work. So he's still coming to souls. He's still guiding and directing us. He's still telling us to draw near to draw near unto sinners, to join ourselves to their chariots as they begin to seek God. So the Spirit here is leading Philip to a seeker. And I have to emphasize that. He's a seeker. He has the scriptures. He's reading the Bible. He's searching. He's asking questions. And so there's something going on. The Spirit's already beginning something in his heart. And the Spirit is leading evangelists to him. He's a dry tree, as we saw last week. He's still in darkness, as we saw last week. He's in the desert. He's in the dry place. And it doesn't look like he's blessed. But the Spirit of God is working. So we believe in the Holy Ghost. He is a divine person. The third person in the Godhead. The adorable third person in the Trinity. Who we love. And who we believe in and trust. The Spirit of the living God. So that's the first thing that I want to emphasize. The Spirit. If we go to the end of the text. We've looked at the beginning, the presence of the Holy Spirit. But if we go to the end of the text, verse 35, the last word. Jesus. Preached unto him Jesus. The last word is a name. It's a precious name. It's the name of the second divine person. Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. This name that we love who are Christians, that we trust in, this name that means Savior, Jesus who saves his people from sins, the story ends with him, as far as our text is concerned tonight. Him being preached, him being proclaimed, him being presented to this seeker, this Ethiopian eunuch. So it's a story of coming to Christ, of being baptized into Christ, being united to Christ by faith. It's a story of being led to Jesus. 
And that's the story of the Bible. And that's what the Bible is all about. The Bible leads us to Jesus. Even as Philip leads a sinner to Jesus. The Bible wants us to finish with Jesus. The Bible wants us to come to the knowledge of faith and trust and union to him. That's the aim of the Bible. And Jesus is the one that the scriptures bring us to. Now we know that it's the name of the Son of God who was manifest in flesh and who died for our sins and rose again for our justification. He's at the right hand of God, Jesus. Now that name is a very special name because it's the name that the Son of God wanted. He wanted that name when he came into the world. It was very important that he got that name. It wasn't the origination of Mary. Mary never thought it. Mary never invented it. Joseph didn't invent it. It's not a name that is usually identified with the house of David. But you see, there were special revelations to Mary and to Joseph, and they were both told very plainly, you call him Jesus. And that's an actual fact, it's the only word that Joseph ever said. He calls his name Jesus. The only word he ever spoke that we read about in the word of God, and it was the name of the Savior Jesus. And this is the name that the Son of God wanted, because the Father wanted it, and the Holy Spirit wanted it. So it's a very important name. The person of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so God is our Savior in Jesus Christ, because this is what this story is about. It's bringing a sinner to the Savior. It's bringing the Savior to the sinner, and the Savior is the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So we've looked at the beginning, the Spirit, and we've looked at the end, Jesus, the outskirts, and that's what the Spirit does. He will always lead us to Jesus. He will always finish at Jesus. He always complete at the union with the sinner to Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit to lead us to Christ. So God the Spirit and God the Son coming together in this great business of the salvation of a sinner. And we must never forget that the Spirit has an interest in the salvation of the sinner as much as the Son of God has and as much as the Father has. Now I know that the Spirit is not so prominent. He's unassuming. He's always in the background. He's always exalting Christ. He's always leading sinners to Christ. But his work is very much taking place, very present, very evident, and there's nobody ever comes to Jesus without, without the Spirit's work. So we're seeing that here in these two extremities. And it is the business of the Spirit to reveal Christ to this eunuch. Didn't Jesus say that? The Spirit, when he's come, he'll take the things of myself and he'll show them to you. He'll glorify me. He'll bring you to me. 
he teach you concerning me, the things that I've said, he'll bring them to your remembrance. So the Spirit's always working in relation to Jesus Christ, always glorifying Christ, always exalting Christ, always making Christ preeminent, and always leading us to Christ. And that's what I'm trying to point out by looking at the extremities of this text tonight. The Spirit's here, he's moving, and then it completes in Jesus being preached unto him, and the faith in him in the Ethiopian eunuch. It's the Spirit of God who does all of that. And if you're converted tonight, you know that that's what happened in your life, that it was the Spirit who was working, and he was drawing you and leading you to Christ. And that's what we're seeing here, bringing us to Christ. But notice thirdly, the Spirit, the Saviour, the outskirts, what's in the centre? What's in the heart of this story? The scriptures. The Bible. The word of God. Do you see that? The Spirit says, join yourself to this chariot. Philip goes near and he hears somebody reading the scriptures. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the place of the scripture, verse 32, was this. He's led as a sheep to the slaughter. You see how the emphasis on the scripture enclosed between the Spirit and the Savior? The scripture, Isaiah 53, the very text, the very place, the very words that he's reading out in the midst of the story. Do you understand what you're reading, the evangelist says? He says, how can I? Unless somebody guides me. And then Philip opens his mouth and beginning at the scripture. Do you see that? The scripture the centrality of the scripture. The scripture is in the heart of this story. There's no being brought to Christ without the scriptures. The scriptures are at the heart and in the center of us finding the Savior. And there's no finding the Savior without the Bible. And there's no work of the Spirit without the Holy Scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit that uses the scriptures. And that's what we're seeing here. In this story, that, that's at the heart. That's the connection between the Spirit and the Savior, the Scriptures. How will this eunuch come to know Jesus? How will he see Jesus? Through the Scriptures and nowhere else. The answer is in the Word of God. And that's what the Bible does. It leads us to Christ. It shows us Christ. You know, you can't find Christ without the Bible. There's no encounter with Christ without the Bible. There's no communion with Christ but in his word. The Bible is essential. The Bible lies at the center. It lies at the heart. The word of God. And so we're seeing here in this story which is a, really a, a picture of everybody's conversion, the Spirit leading us to the Savior through the, the Scriptures being opened. The Scriptures are central. They're vital. They're indispensable. That's why we have the Bible central. That's why the Bible lies at the heart of the church. It's so important. The scriptures lead us to Christ. In fact, a good way of looking at the Bible is that the Bible 
carries Christ to us. It's as if he's in the book. It's as if his presence is in, in unity with the book and the book brings him to us. So the Bible's like the manger in which Christ is placed. And we come to the Bible, we come to the manger and we see him who is Jesus our Saviour and we believe in him as he's revealed to us in the scriptures. Didn't Jesus say, they're there that testify of me? You know, some people they talk about, oh, we have to find the historic Jesus. We have to look in some parts of the Bible, and we have to dig up other writings as well, and look at other old writings, and we have to put together so that we can find the historic Jesus. Let me tell you this. The historic Jesus is the Jesus at the right hand of God the Father, and he's set forth before us by the Holy Spirit only in this book. This book. And this story reveals that. The volume of the book, he says, it is written of me. And then he opened the eyes of his disciples as he expounded the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he says, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and be glorified. It's all in the book revealed. Moses wrote of me and the prophets wrote of Christ. Isaiah saw his glory, John said. And he revealed his glory too in his prophecy. So the book is, is about Christ. The Spirit the Saviour, the Scriptures that lead us to the Saviour and the Spirit that uses those Scriptures, opens those Scriptures and works in the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch through those Scriptures. Do you see how the Spirit uses the Bible? Do you see what he uses to bring the sinner to Jesus? The Bible? There is a fourth thing. There is a soul winner. The Spirit leading us to the Saviour through the Scriptures, but a soul winner. Philip. Because the Spirit comes to Philip and he leads Philip. Now we have to think about this very carefully. In one sense, it is the Bible alone. Scripture alone. But in another sense, it's not Scripture alone. It's Scripture and a preacher. You see, the Ethiopian eunuch, he had the Scripture alone. He had the Bible alone. And the Spirit could have come to him and supernaturally opened his mind and understanding as he read the Bible, but that wasn't the way it worked. The Spirit didn't do that. He has the Bible, he's searching, he's seeking and the Spirit doesn't come directly to the Ethiopian eunuch but he comes to a preacher. He comes to a soul winner. He comes to one who knows the Lord, who has the light of the Lord, who's indwelt by the Spirit of God, who's obedient and who knows the Word of God and who knows the Bible. He comes to the church and to those in the church to open the Bible to the darkened sinners. That's how the Spirit works. 
And that, you know how that's how we were saved. I mean, I had the Bible for years. Years. I didn't understand it. It was closed. It was darkness. I was afraid of it. I thought it had terrible things. Hell and all of that. And I, I didn't see the love and grace of God in Jesus Christ. Until it was opened. Until it was preached. Until a spirit anointed man began to reveal Christ unto me in the words of the text. And the Spirit worked by that means. Through the preacher opening the word of God. You see, oftentimes reading the Bible is not sufficient for the sinner. It clearly is obvious that that was the case here. He's in darkness. How can I? Who is this? Who's a prophet talking about? He doesn't understand. As sincere as he is, as earnest as he is, as great a seeker as he is, he doesn't understand. And the Lord says, Philip, you get down there. So he needed a guide. And the man knew he needed it. He says, how can I accept somebody guide me? Give me understanding. And I'm sure he's praying to God for that understanding. He's a true seeker. That's the wonderful thing about soul winning. It's best to be led to the seekers. It's best to be led to those that the Lord is working on before. And you're being guided by the Spirit and be led to him. We have to be guided by the Spirit. We have to be led of the Lord. And we have to pray that the Lord will raise up seekers. And that he'll guide us to seekers. And he work in hearts. So we, we do get the Bible out. And we have to get the Bible out. That's part of it. He, he wouldn't have been seeking at all. There wouldn't have been anything beginning to happen at all. If he hadn't had the scriptures. But he also needed something more. Something more. A preacher. And uh, an evangelist who has the spirit and the light of the word in his soul. And there are some people who they think like. Just me and my Bible and the spirit. That's all we need. No, you need the ministry of the Word. You know you need it, brethren and sisters. You know it's how the Lord saved you, through the preaching of the Gospel. You know that's how you were built up in faith, through the preaching of the sanctifying Word. It has pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. How shall they believe without a preacher? And how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Paul knows the importance of the church proclaiming the word. It's vital. And you can't bypass that means of grace. Just as you can't bypass the scriptures, and just as you can't bypass the spirit of the Lord, so neither can you bypass the church's proclamation of the evangel. In the Spirit's anointing. And so if you say all I need is my Bible and the Spirit. You would be wrong. In a certain sense. Uh, that we're setting forth tonight here. In this portion of the scripture. Because the Spirit raises up a preacher. And Romans 10 we read. We have to pray that the Lord will raise up 
faithful preachers and thrust them out. And whenever the Lord sent them out in the Great Commission, he said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. So the importance of preaching, the importance of beginning at the text and using it as the launching to proclaim the word of God unto the people. So the Spirit raised up a preacher here for the eunuch. And we, we can draw no other conclusion from this, this story. It's not the reading of the word alone that converts, but the Spirit-anointed preaching of it that converts. And so those who have light and understanding must open it to those who do not. And by this means the Holy Spirit works in sinners. And that's why it's so important to get them out. To get them under the gospel. To get them under the preaching of the word. Shorter Catechism 89. How is the word of God made effectual to salvation? The answer is that the Spirit of God, very important that, that expression, the Spirit of God said, it's the Spirit of God's work, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word. Do you see that word especially? That's in our shorter catechism. Especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convicting and converting sinners. So this eunuch, there was something going on by the reading of the word, but it was especially the preaching of it. He opened his mouth and preached Jesus. It was especially the preaching of it that led to the convicting and the conversion onto faith. That's the teaching of this portion of the word of God. And the Shorter Catechism doesn't only say that it's especially the means of convicting and converting the sinner, but it goes on to say, and building them up in holiness and comfort through faith. So yes, the reading of the word builds us up in comfort and in holiness of life, but especially the preaching of the word. So you see, congregation, you can't bypass preaching. It's very important that you hear the word of God proclaimed. It's the Spirit's way. He raises up a Philip. That's just the way he works. It has pleased him to work like that. So we cannot bypass the ministry of the word of God. And as I say, we all know this by experience. It was the preaching of the word that awakened us and brought us to Christ. And we've all four coming here together. The Spirit, and Jesus, the Savior, the Scripture text, and the preacher. Now, of course, the preacher has to be obedient. The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And this preacher was. He ran. He ran thither. Quick to obedience to do it. He knows the Spirit has a task. He knows the Spirit has a work. And he's going to carry it out in obedience. 
And it's made so easy for him. Because the Spirit has a very text there for him. What a wonderful thing. Just to be reading Isaiah 53 in these particular verses. What if he had been reading the genealogy of Chronicles? It might have been hard to preach Christ from that. Though I'm sure Philip would even have got to Christ even from there. But the Spirit made his job so easy. It just happened to be in the providence of the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 53. What a wonderful text for a preacher to get the gospel across. All he had to do was open his mouth. That was all. Preach Jesus. And that's how sinners are saved and that's how saints grow. The spirit, the sinner, the saviour, the scriptures, the soul winner, all coming together. We don't know Philip's sermon on the text. That doesn't matter. Every preacher has a different sermon on the text before us. Every preacher sets out different things as the Spirit leads them and guides them. But if he's faithfully expounding the text and the truths are in revealed, the Spirit will bless it. Even though the, the sermons can be so different. That's how the Holy Ghost works. It's all based on the Word. But there's always one key in the preaching of the Scriptures. And it's not to get into the mind of the prophet and what the mind thinks, the prophet thinks. I don't really know what Isaiah thought when he wrote Isaiah 53 down. I think he didn't even understand it himself when he wrote Isaiah 53 down. He certainly didn't see it as clearly as we see it now in the light of fulfillment, in the light of Jesus. In fact, Peter tells us that the prophets, they didn't understand and they had to search diligently. They had to inquire, they had to pray. They knew that they were writing for the time when Christ would come. And they couldn't see it all. And they said, Lord, give me understanding of what I'm writing. Whenever the psalmist David said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't realize all that he was saying about Christ. So it's not about getting into the mind of the prophet and of the writer. Which they try to do in the academic places, institutions where all the liberals come to the Bible like that. What was the meaning whenever David wrote it, when Isaiah wrote it? No, we have fulfillment, we have Jesus, we have the key, we have the one who is the teleos, the completion of the scriptures, and we, we bring him back to the text. That's what Philip does. He brings Jesus into the text. Because Jesus is in the text. It's clearly revealed now in fulfillment. And he preaches Jesus unto him. And he's the key. And every gospel preacher does that with the Old Testament scriptures. Finds Christ. Finds him who is the truth. Who is the, the last. Who is the omega as well as the alpha. Who is the fulfillment. We find Jesus in the text. And we're not one bit embarrassed to try to do that. And always to preach unto you Jesus. From the scriptures. He's a key. There, there, the testify of me. That's enough for me in the interpretation of the Old Testament scriptures. Always speaking about me. And Philip does that. He's faithful. And his bird blesses that. And people are saved. So the gospel preacher has to, has to do this. To find Christ in the scripture and preach and proclaim him. And what a wonderful text. He, he talked about the humiliation of Christ. 
He talked about Christ as the Lamb of God who died for us. He talked about the person of Christ. Who declares generation? He has eternal generation. He's before all worlds. He's the only begotten of the Father. A, a generation that is indescribable and incomprehensible. The Son of God, who is the judge and has judgment. But in his humiliation, that judgment is taken away. And that divine person, made flesh, becoming the Lamb of God, giving himself for the sins of the world. It's all there in Isaiah 53. And somehow or other, he opened all that and preached unto him Jesus. And this eunuch come to faith. Here's water, can I be baptized now? Do you believe? I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He has come to faith and is baptized. Oh, do you believe on the Son of God? Have you come to faith? Has the Spirit in the Scriptures come to you and brought you to faith? In Christ, do you believe in Christ? Do you have faith in him? And each week, child of God, are you growing up in grace? Is the Spirit using the same means to make you holy and to sanctify you through his truth? So keep attending the means of grace. Keep attending the preaching and the exposition of the word. For your sanctification. And sinners keep attending. For your conversion. Unto Jesus Christ. And don't turn away from the word. But believe it. And receive it and embrace it. And go on your way rejoicing. Like this eunuch. And Philip was took away. Out of the scene. He wasn't needed anymore. And the eunuch didn't see him anymore. His job was done. And that eunuch went away down to Africa, carrying Christ in his heart and the scriptures, and bringing the same message to his fellow men and women. 